Welcome to Recode Media with Peter Kafka. That is me sweating in Brooklyn. I hope everyone is well and safe. This is a special episode of Recode Media because I have a special guest. It's my coworker, Ronnie Mola. Welcome, Ronnie. Hey, Peter. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Oh, I have no choice. I'm delighted, I mean, to have you on my podcast. I'm going to I'm gonna turn the squadcast so I can see you. You are also sweltering. You're in upstate. I'm upstate New York in a cabin. It's still hot. I don't know why it's the same as you in Brooklyn. I wanted to be better off than you. This is the best reason, by the way, to work in an office because they have air conditioning. So they you have gotta... really good air conditioning and, and you don't pay for it. Yeah. Well, you pay <sighs> for it in the end. Plus there's COVID. <laughs> so enough about the weather. I want to talk about two projects that you've been working on Yeah. over the last nine months. What do you got? One of them I worked with you on. One of them I had nothing <laughs> to do with. Do you, want to, do you want to tell us about one of them? Yeah. So one of them, I'm going to start with the, the more important. I have a, a baby, which is why you're doing, I, I just gave birth to a baby. Yay! Um, yeah. And uh, which is why you're finishing up the rest of this other thing, Land of the Giants season two podcast about Netflix by yourself, mostly. Yes. So you're still working, though. You just had a baby less than a week ago, or a week ago. Exactly a week ago. Yeah, um, now you're potting with me. Um, I'm just talking. The reason Ronnie is here, like she said, is because she and I have been working on this project, um, The Netflix Effect. It is a seven-part series about Netflix. The first episode is available today. You can go get it wherever you find this podcast and other fine podcasts. Uh, look for Land of the Giants. You'll see both our episode and then a, another uh, series of episodes by, about Amazon, our colleague Jason Del Rey made. Like this podcast, it's free. Like this podcast, it's great. You'll like it. What should we talk about, Roddy? Should we talk about the making of the podcast? Yeah, we'll talk about the yeah. making of the podcast. We'll talk about what's in the podcast. We can talk a little bit about Netflix. And then we're going to give you guys a free sample of this free podcast when we're done. Right. So making the podcast, right? We, we made it in a way that you can't make podcasts right now. Um, we, we got on planes. <laughs> We got on planes, we traveled, we talked to people in the same room without masks, shook their hands, except for Reed Hastings. It was kind of ahead of the curve and refused to shake our hands. Smart on him. Yeah, so we get, we got to we got to Netflix March 5th, and it is impossible to remember what the world looked like March 5th, but I have a pretty <laughs> clear memory of it. We were in LA. We were concerned about flying. I remember people were wiping down uh, the seats on, on both sides of me on that flight there. I think while we were there, LA declared a state of emergency. It was unclear what that meant. Right. But people were starting to send their employees, uh, home. I think the tech companies were working from home when we were there at Netflix, people were still coming in. Um, but they were still coming in, in, but there was signage everywhere and they had like a, you know, antibacterial hand stuff and yeah. Yeah. So I went up to Reed Hastings and tried to shake his hand and he did not want to shake hands. Had nothing Uh, to do with coronavirus. Yeah. The other executives did. Anyway, but yeah, if it had that had that interview been scheduled for a few days later, that interview would not have happened in person. Or with this podcast, maybe? Yeah, no, it would have happened. Um, okay. We're just fortunate there, I think. And yeah, I like I really do like talking to people face to face. And it's something I'm not able to do and, and won't be able to do for a long time. So all things considered, though, we're still pretty lucky. And what was what was surprising to you about making this podcast? Neither of us have made a long-form project like this, but what was surprising either about the podcast or about Netflix as we figured this out? Like one of the episodes, the first episode we did is about their culture. And, you know, it's really easy to be very critical about this culture. You know, every company in Silicon Valley is like, oh, our culture is special and this makes our work special. You're required to talk about how, yeah. how, how important your culture is. Vox Media has its own... It's obnoxious. Of- 
<laughs> not no yeah. every every every, <laughs> every culture every that you're supposed to talk about has, has, and and there are people within the company who take it seriously generally people who are in charge of making up that list right i think right and maybe you know we were talking to a lot of people at netflix a lot of higher up execs but like but even people who'd been let go who weren't there anymore so many of them like really took the culture seriously and they you know they didn't have the level of like I don't know, cynicism that I would have about a culture like that. Like, and maybe, you know, that's just the response we got, but they, they, it seemed to be like, they're like, even if they had bad things to say, they're like, well, you know, the culture was important. The culture yeah, was I'm gonna, like, it's yeah. a, it's, it's a, I, I'm going to steal from the headline from our story today. It's a deeply weird place to work and people who like it will tell you that. And people who don't like it will tell you that it's unlike other places. It, it is it is like a tech company that you might have read about or heard about or participated in and that it's very intense, culture of achievement, everyone there thinks they're a star. But it's got its own special language and ideology. And there's a bunch of practices like uh, sort of constantly giving feedback and criticism to your coworkers and your bosses. Um, uh, sunshining. This is when you screw up in a, in, a, in a significant way. You're supposed to sort of do this public sort of abasement thing where you sort of explain to everyone what you got wrong. There's a ton of public abasement sounds yeah. less like good than sunshining. It all sounds bad. It all sounds like a version of the stocks. There's stuff that I think is really cool. Like there's a ton of transparency into how the company's operating. They're very uh, open with their internal metrics and financials um, in a way that you don't see. I mean, there's hundreds of people who get an advanced look at their earnings uh, every quarter and all their financial details, and none of it has leaked out yet. Years and years and years, which is, again, astonishing. A lot of people get to see what other people are paid, which is actually a pretty progressive thing when you're you know, yeah. trying to make sure that you're being paid the right amount. And they all believe that this is what helps them succeed. Now, you could cynically say, you know what helped you succeed? You were smart enough to figure out that streaming was important before everyone else did, and you did it, and that's all you need to care about. But they don't believe that, and um, you can hear it from them. You can hear it in the episode. We should talk a little bit about what else we're covering. This is not a straight history of Netflix. We're definitely giving you a historical look at Netflix, but we're touching a bunch of different stuff. What, what else What else should we flick at here? One of the early things we covered, and, and I focused on a lot, was uh, its war with Blockbuster, which is like kind of easy to forget now that like you know you don't go to physical places to get media anymore. It seems sort of like... Obvious, like I just go on the internet and it's there. But like they have this long and bruising fight with Blockbuster, who really, by all accounts, should have beat them. Um, you know, there's a lot of a. Uh, you always kind of expect the young, or I do now, having written about tech for so long, you expect the young tech company, which is nimble and can easily scale, to you know beat the old lumbering giant. But uh, in this which case, which is which is what happened, by the way. It so it did happen, but. Blockbuster did a good job. They, you know, they they basically copied Netflix. They were ready to do exactly what Netflix did. And then they also had a lot of advantages. You know, everyone knew what Blockbuster was. They were cheaper. They had more selection. So, like, they should have won. Like, they 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 saw the writing on the wall. They pivoted. They put some money towards it. But then, for a number of reasons, they didn't. And, you know, we have Netflix now and not Blockbuster. But it, it wasn't, like, obvious then. Yeah, yeah. This is one of several times the theme we found uh, in the reporting where where Netflix should have been beaten by the companies they were trying to disrupt. The other big example really is is uh, Hollywood, where again, Netflix came in and sort of right in front of Hollywood 
made streaming a thing. And not only did, did, did Hollywood sort of not pay attention, they enabled it. They said, here, take all our best stuff, uh, put it in a, in a container that's way better than the one we use. Um, I think you, you called it like there were like the suckers at the poker table. They're like, oh, these stupid idiots, like they want this garbage that we don't even want anymore and they're paying us money for it, fine. Yes, well, they thought Netflix was the sucker because Netflix yeah. said, we will buy all your stuff and the Netflix and the Hollywood guys are laughing at Netflix. Uh, one of them laughed to me and I, I always bring it up. Um, and so and they got Hollywood to participate in Hollywood sort of undoing. Um, we cover that a lot as well. Uh, we also talk about money. We talk about its international push. There's a lot in there. And in fact, there's so much in there. We're still working on it. But don't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah, how many more episodes? We're, we're almost done. We're, we're almost, almost done. done. <laughs> we got some more work to do. So we'll, we'll wrap this up over. in a bit. I do want to uh, talk to you about sort of Netflix over the last few months. Mm-hmm. We started making the show when there was no pandemic. And then we made the show during a pandemic. And so far, that seemed the pandemic seems to have answered a key question on Netflix, which is right, which what is, happens yeah. when the economy crashes? And the answer is... Right. They do especially well. They added like more subscribers than they thought they would. I, I think one thing that I'm remembering now is when we were starting this in the fall, we were like, oh, you know, in the spring, that's when all of these companies are launching their streaming services. You know, like that's when HBO Max and Disney at all, or I forget which, or Peacock, all, all the ones that were coming out this spring, we were like, oh, this is going to be very bad for them in the spring. And, you know, what happens in a recession? So these two things that should have been really bad for Netflix haven't yet been that bad for Netflix. And the coronavirus, the pandemic thing, you know, like having a recession, having people not have enough money, you would think that they would cut their Netflix subscription and that didn't happen. The opposite happened. It, it's sort of, would you say, purpose-built for... Yeah pandemic <laughs> and it's it's early we're going to see more but but yeah they yeah. have a slew of competitors and it's a terrible economy and they're thriving and in fact um they're sort of profiting from their competitors woes they're they're buying movies that studios were planning on putting in theaters and they don't know what to do with them so netflix buys those yeah on a number of fronts they were able to like yeah the, the theaters thing how would they have known like oh all of a sudden we'll have even more content for you to watch when you're sitting in your hot apartment so that's fascinating. I'm I'm interested also to see sort of what they do with the cultural moment and, and the discussions about race that we're having. Mm-hmm. You know, they did the thing that I think a lot of people do, which is here's every show we have that is either made by a black person or about a black person. We'll, we'll put that up there. Um, that's kind of table stakes. Um, I'm fascinated by the fact that Dave Chappelle, who's sort of one of their, their most prominent stars, they paid him a ton of money put up this really fascinating, I think it's 27 minute long stand-up thing that he did a couple days ago. But it's not on Netflix. It's on YouTube and, and other social uh, outlets. Yeah, that was fascinating. It was, you know, it was, it was a response to the whole moment. It was a response to the killing of George Floyd. And they, he was, he, I think there's a note on the, the Netflix YouTube page that's like, this isn't finished. Sorry, it's kind of rough, but we just put it up. But it's clearly like a Netflix production. You know, I think they're in a field in Ohio. Everyone's getting temperature checks and sitting spaced apart. And he does this very short, rough, and I thought very good special. But like, do you figure out why it wasn't on Netflix? I like, don't. I do not have an on the record answer. Ugh. So either there's a contractual issue, but I think they could have solved that pretty easily. And then my other thought is either Netflix or Dave Chappelle or the two of them together said this is not a finished thing. 
we only want to put sort of the polished stuff up on Netflix. Doesn't really make sense to me. And or yeah, have you seen other stuff on Netflix? I mean, yeah, all of it is polished. Um, Or or some thought that well, more people can see it on YouTube than Netflix. I think it's a cool flex, as the kids might say. But and the results of it, though, whatever back and they everyone could see it and they got it up in a week you know right it was like basically yeah. a week after his uh, george floyd's killing so it was so timely and like i i know i just stopped everything like i was actually i was going into labor that day and i watched the chappelle show on uh the not the chappelle show the chappelle's comedy special on youtube everyone's got a labor story and now you have one of the best labor stories <laughs> this was a fun show um we, we talked about this a bunch um when we are often writing and covering tech, we're writing, especially the last few years, we're writing about companies that really have a reckoning about sort of their role in society, um, unintended consequences. I'm certain there are unintended consequences and problems uh, at Netflix, and there's some tricky stuff we are definitely talking about, but they have not been credibly uh, accused of, of destabilizing democracy or electing Donald <laughs> Trump. It's not as much of a bummer as a show about name. Fill in the blank. You can fill in the blank on right. your own. And, and the, the podcast we're doing, Land of the Giants, it's supposed to be a, a, each season is about a different Fang company, all of these giant master of the universe companies, Google, Apple. Um, you know, Netflix falls in there, but it's also like a little bit refreshing in that, as you said, not destabilizing democracy, obviously. It's less obviously awful of a company. So it's kind of fun <laughs> to cover. <laughs> So, you know, our producer, Zach Mack, wanted this to be upbeat and wanted us to really sell this and promote this. And I think less obviously awful a company should probably not That's be our just tag. Me. Yeah. It's no, all right. No. We're good. Fun, interesting, weird. Um, yeah. 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 Listen, and if it, you're listening to this podcast, you want to listen to that podcast. How about that? I think that's that's fair. When you come back from maternity leave, do you want to make another long form podcast that took months to put together? I actually would love to. I thought I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean... You know, I agree. I I, I blog for a living. Uh, you you do this thing that's sort of very fast and quick turnover, which I like and I'm good at. But like, this was it was nice to do something that was out of my you know my comfort zone to work on something that like you had to rework that you couldn't just throw up on the internet and be like I'm done. Like, I, I would love to do another one. Yeah, I agree, and I enjoyed working with you, Ronnie. Now enjoy oh, not working and doing other more important things. And we'll see you in a few months. Thanks a lot, Peter. Thanks, Ronnie. And we're back. And as promised, we are going to give you a free sneak preview of the Netflix effect. This is about a debacle uh, Netflix inflicted upon itself back in 2011, almost sank the company. And the way the company tells it has helped them fix their internal culture as well. You can hear that story right now. So here's the deal. Today, Netflix announced that it was splitting its business into two. I mean, the good news that's going to come out of this is no longer will New Coke be the worst public announcement. It's really going to be Quickster, which I'm saying is Deadster. This was Netflix's attempt to get the world to embrace streaming long before streaming was mainstream. And it failed. It's one of those experiences that no one wants to think about. That's for sure. It failed so badly that Netflix execs like Cindy Holland, who runs original programming, have tried to forget it. Let's back up. Netflix started out in the late 90s, shipping movies and TV shows on DVDs through the mail. And in 2007, Reed Hastings began letting his subscribers stream videos over the internet, too, for free. 
At first, this was a thing that appealed just to early adopters, but by 2011, millions of Netflix customers were doing it. But Hastings wanted things to move even faster. He wanted everyone to stream, and he wanted to start getting out of the DVD business. We were a hybrid service with DVD and streaming together in the U.S., um, starting to do streaming alone internationally. Um, I realized that we would be better if we could split those two services so we were not dependent on DVD and that we were the best streaming company full stop. You can hear it in his voice. Hastings is a tech guy and he's a very logical dude. And like a lot of Silicon Valley logical dudes, especially those that have had some success early on like he did, Hastings assumed that if it made sense to him, you'd get it too. In his mind, this was simple. Streaming was the future and Netflix had to make itself into a streaming company. So Hastings tried to force the issue. You'll still be able to stream movies, but if you want DVDs, you're gonna have to use a whole new service. Boy, are people pissed off about that one. In 2011, Netflix announced that its basic service, which offered DVDs and unlimited streaming for 10 bucks a month, was now gonna be two services. If you wanted to watch stuff on the internet, you'd pay eight bucks a month for that. And if you wanted to rent DVDs, you'd pay another eight bucks a month for that too. So you have to pay a lot more to get the same stuff you got before. That is a good way of putting it. It was a 60% price hike delivered when Americans were still climbing out of a huge recession. And it went along with a move to make a simple service way more complicated. You can imagine how that went over. No one was thrilled by the recent Netflix pricing increase, but the way in which they delivered the message was what really seems to have caused the majority of the backlash. This is one of the first mainstream internet uprisings against a big consumer company. A lot of this happened on Facebook, where Netflix customers went to complain, and sometimes they would find Reed Hastings there answering some of their complaints. He was extra hands-on back then. It's hard to remember what 2011 was like, but a lot of the internet mass behavior, social interaction stuff was just starting. And so this idea that then people would be upset on Facebook and then other people would see it and amp up the total conversation, we had not witnessed many of those in society before. Netflix customers weren't the only ones who didn't like Hastings' idea. Many of his executives also had doubts, but they were scared to tell him that. Or more generously, they figured Reed Hastings is super smart, and if he thought it was right, he must be right, even if it made no sense to them. I do remember the conversations. Um, you know, the difficult thing about it is Reed had been right about almost everything. Cindy Holland is one of those executives who didn't know how to tell Hastings that splitting the business in two might be a mistake. This was really the first big example where I think there was some nervousness. Yeah, there were some doubts, but he'd just been right so many times. This wasn't terrible logic, by the way. Reed Hastings was the guy who started a video company back when everyone in the world got their videos from Blockbuster. Bad idea, right? But he won. By 2011, Netflix had more than 20 million subscribers, and Blockbuster was bankrupt. So maybe Hastings did know what he was talking about. Everyone knows the tale of the self-absorbed, arrogant CEO who doesn't listen. And there's an element of that because we've been so successful at so many things before that. But the more subtle one is that I had been so successful before that most of the executives thought, this isn't smart, or I don't think it is smart, but Reed has been right on so many things. I'll bet he's right on this one, and I'm just not seeing it. But the customers saw it, and Netflix paid the price. By the end of the year, more than 700,000 people had canceled their Netflix subscription. And at one point, Netflix stock had dropped by 70%. What was it like inside the company when you rolled this out and then saw the feedback coming in, saw the stock drop? Mm -hmm. What was, what was well, it like? At first, we were uh, defensive and we're like, we knew it was going to be hard. We weren't stupid that it was people were going to like it. Customers bailed on him and investors hammered his stock and Hastings doubled down. 
To emphasize that the future of Netflix was streaming, he announced that Netflix's DVD company was no longer going to be called Netflix anymore, and he decided the best way to announce that was a video. Hi, I'm Reed Hastings, CEO and co-founder of Netflix. We've been working for the past 14 years to build Netflix year by year into the best possible service we could build. We're making this video today to apologize in person, or at least on camera, for something that we did recently. This is a weird video. It features Hastings sitting outside at a patio table wearing a bright teal button-down shirt. It's also weird because he's not really apologizing. He's saying he's going ahead with this plan that everyone hates. Oh, and he's got a new name for it, too. We think that the DVD service needs its own brand so that we can advertise it. So we've named our DVD service Quickster. What the hell is a Quickster? Why is it being spelled QW? And why is the CEO of this tech company shooting lo-fi apology videos outside his office? This video and that name were so widely panned that even Saturday Night Live went after it. And now a message from Netflix.com. Hi, I'm Reed Hastings, CEO and co-founder of Netflix. This is Jason Sudeikis as Reed Hastings, and Fred Armisen is next to him as one of his underlings. Fake Reed Hastings, by the way, is wearing that teal shirt. We knew you loved Netflix because it was an easy-to-use website for all your movie needs. To make it better, we split it into two separate, slightly more confusing sites. <laughs> Netflix for streaming video, and Quickster, which will handle DVD rentals. Did we spell a Quickster in a normal way? No, we didn't. No. <laughs> no. Q-W-I-K. Annoying, but easier. Right. Yeah. And by the way, we know it's off-putting to see the CEO of a powerful company rocking a goatee and teal shirt, but trust us, <laughs> we know what we're doing. This is a great video, by the way. It is definitely worth looking up. And Netflix got lucky. The skit never actually ran on SNL itself. It was only online. And uh, do you remember the SNL video? Uh, yes. <laughs> You're wincing. Steve Swayze handled PR for Netflix during the Quickster debacle. The thing is, Netflix moves fast on everything, and when it's the consumer benefit, everybody loves it. But when it's a mistake, it's amplified. And that's when we really started to feel the hurt. That's when people really revolted. The non-apology apology video did not work. More subscribers left, and Netflix stock sank even lower. And Reed Hastings, the super logical guy who was convinced that he was right and everyone else was wrong, finally got the message. He was left with no choice. Netflix has abandoned Quickster, its widely panned movie streaming service. Netflix says it was just too quick with its plan for Quickster. In other words, Quickster is dead. Even today, Hastings says he was wrong, but not that wrong. The big thing was we did a 60% price increase to 20 million American families in the middle of a recession. So there's no communications that's going to make that go down well. So to recap, you raise prices, you make a simple service complicated, you create a terrible name for a new product that people do not want and tell everyone who hates it that they're wrong. This was not a great run for Hastings, and he put the life of his company in danger. But Netflix survived. Eventually, subscriber numbers started ticking up again, and since that's all Wall Street really cared about, the stock went up again, too. And while the Quickster name has gone to heaven, Hastings still ended up going forward with his plan to make DVDs separate from Netflix's streaming service. Today, if you want to get Netflix to send you DVDs, you can. You go to a service called DVD.com and you sign up there and you pay another eight bucks a month. The lesson for Hastings was not that he screwed up or that he was too early pushing streaming or maybe he should have worn a different color shirt in that video. It's that lots of people around him could have told him he was going to make a mistake, but they didn't. They lost their own self-confidence. It wasn't me suppressing it. 
It was them overly deferential because of the track record of the beating blockbuster, all these like crazily unlikely and hard things. And so afterwards, what we realized is, okay, we need to be much more active at farming for dissent. Hastings vowed to run a company where everyone everywhere could tell everyone else what they thought of them and their ideas. And specifically, Netflix came up with this idea where you could take a crazy big swing at something, but you better ask other Netflixers to troubleshoot it first. This is what Hastings and Netflix call farming for dissent. You're trying to get your coworkers to tell you what's wrong with your idea. If you tell everyone about your plan and you get their feedback and they hate it and you still want to go ahead, you can. And if it fails, you'll be okay in theory. But if you haven't farmed for dissent in advance and you also fail, you're going to have a problem. Because then they all see each other. It's just an open Google Doc. So they all see how each other feel. And then everybody has to vote in public in writing of do they think this would be wise, stupid, not stupid. And then it's up to me to write a, a summary of, okay, this is what I heard. And it might be that we're still doing X or Y, which might not be the popular choice. So no one, it's not advertised as a democracy. Let's vote it up uh, like the Senate or something. But it's everyone on record. I'm still not 100% sure that employees will ever be as candid with Hastings or their boss as they might be with people who can't lay them off and ruin their lives. So you're suggesting that it's one thing to tell me that you don't like my salad choice, another thing to go tell our CEO that you don't like the direction the company's going? Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, and Reed Hastings made one other decision after Quickster. He hid that teal shirt in the closet, and he never wore it again. And a few years later, he gathered his employees and held a ceremonial burning. Where did you burn it? Just in that same patio where the video was. That's awesome. Okay, so that is a sneak preview of the Netflix effect. The good news is if you like that, there is plenty more of that. You can head over and subscribe and get seven full episodes of this stuff. The first one is up and running. You know how to get it. Look for Land of the Giants. Um, you'll get both our show. You'll also find Jason Del Rey's show he made about Amazon uh, last year. That's excellent. So it's all come to you in one feed. It's all free. You can get it there right now. Thanks again to my special co-host, Ronnie. Thanks again to Joel and Jelani, who produce and edit the show. Thanks again to our sponsors who let us bring it to you for free. And thanks again to you guys for listening. Be well. See you soon. <laughs>